because a lot of women have a hard time receiving. Mm-hmm. They they have a hard time letting others do for them because mm-hmm. they're used to always taking care of stuff. Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guest and I share our vulnerable behind the scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our masks, let go of expectations and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I am your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity. Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. I am your host, Bianca Hughes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And just thank you so much as always being here and joining me on the podcast. So I have a guest with me on the podcast today. Um, And actually, this is before I forget, this is episode 70 of the podcast. Uh, And my guest today is Keisha Rice. She is a dating coach and two-time Emmy-nominated journalist. As a coach, Keisha helps successful Christian women learn how to attract quality men without compromising their values, identity, or their sanity. As the daughter, sister, and niece of preachers, Keisha understands what it's like as a Christian woman to balance a conservative upbringing with modern hookup culture. And like many women in the corporate world, Keisha knows the challenges of being ambitious while maintaining your femininity. Keisha and her husband live in Atlanta, Georgia. When she's not coaching or producing TV newscasts, Keisha loves to travel. She has been to several states and 10 countries. You know I love traveling, so excited. So let's go ahead and get into this conversation with Keisha. Hello, Keisha, which is my main my namesake. My middle name's Keisha. <laughs> oh, yes. It's spelled a bit different, but I don't have the I. I just K-E-S-H-A. But hello, Keisha, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Thank you so much. And actually, it's, it's funny. Um, people always talk about the, the way my name is spelled. Mm-hmm. Um, I was named after Keisha Knight-Polium, the actress who played Rudy on The Cosby oh, Show. So. <laughs> yes, yes. I love that. Okay, okay. Um, and then people say Kesha as well. Yes, they do. They love that. They say, they say Kesha. Is it Kesha? And I'm like, no, it's Keisha. Um, <laughs> and can I tell you a funny secret, funny thing about the name Keisha? You know, when I came here, like everyone's telling me like you have a ghetto name and I'm like, what? (laughs) So (laughs) in America, I don't know. I guess that's the, I don't know. The the feel. It's it's so strange. Yeah. Because depending on like the spelling, it can mean she who is kind or mine means favorite one. And -hmm. it's like, what's ghetto about that? I don't know, but they're like, there's always a Keisha or a Lakeisha. And I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) I'm thinking my name is great and prestigious, which it still is. Um, But yeah, that was Yeah, given the meaning, like I would, I would give that to my daughter if I didn't already have it. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. So I just thought I'd let you know that. Um, So my, let's dive in. My favorite question. 
is that I ask everyone is what does authenticity mean to you? To me, authenticity means love. And I know that sounds really cliche for a dating coach, but hear me out on this one. So (laughs) when you are authentic with yourself, you know, there's all this talk nowadays about self-care and bubble baths and naps and all that good stuff. And I applaud that stuff. I I do. You should take care of yourself. But a major part of self-care is also not allowing yourself to be stuck in dysfunctional, unhealthy patterns, holding yourself accountable to the mistakes that you've made in the past, holding yourself accountable to the ways that you know you can grow, not allowing yourself to be stagnant. And when you are an authentic person, you love yourself enough to continue doing that work and authenticity to other people. So whether that's to my husband or being authentic to my family or my audience, I do that because I love them. Like I could be, you know, the Instagram influencer type and and post the like lifestyle pictures and all of that and make people feel happy and imagine that life for like five, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Or I can talk about things that really matter and I can be honest with who I am and I can share that, you know, there's this tendency to think that when we make mistakes, we're the only ones who ever make them. Mm -hmm. And for me to be able to say, hey, I've been there before, or hey, this coach has a coach because she's always working on herself. Um, That is authenticity. And I do it because I love the people who see my posts. I love the women that I work with. Um, You know, again, in my marriage, I love my husband and we can't, you know, we can't work on things that are never addressed. Mm -hmm. So to me, that is why authenticity is an act of love. I've never heard anyone describe it like that. And I never get tired of people's descriptions. And I think that's so beautiful. Um, and it really makes sense. It, it, it makes sense. Um, cause people always talk about, and I know you mentioned this on your thing the other day, I was, um, you know, stalking you, but, uh, <laughs> you talked about being nice and, um, are you being right? Nice. And I always talk about the difference between kind and kind of nice. And it kind of reminds me of that. It's like, are you really thinking about that other person? Um, when you're being authentic, you're not, you're also being true and thinking about yourself and loving you. And then you're also being authentic and loving that other person. And yeah, I love that. Have you always been authentic? No, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. So I'm a PK. I'm a preacher's kid, right? Ah. So it's not a matter of, you you know, there's this whole thought that preacher's kids, particularly preacher's daughters, are either, let's just be real, either angels or hoes. And um, <laughs> I was never either one, really. You know what I mean? <laughs> but there was so much pressure when I was growing up, you know, to be a certain way Mm. and I always wanted to make my parents happy I always wanted to make my parents proud so it's like 
talking about Instagram, kind of like an algorithm. You know what I mean? You knew that there were certain behaviors, certain ways of saying things, certain ways of doing things that got you what you wanted, um, that made everybody around you happy, you know, didn't make any waves. And I would say that's how I spent my childhood and, you know, a lot into my teenage years, even, you know, some periods in my twenties, just trying to like ride the wave, not cause any problems. And it's all well and good for a while. Mm -hmm. Like I, I actually, you know, people are always like, be yourself and, and, and all this stuff. And I actually think that sometimes there is a, there's a season to just shut up and just like, like just chill, you know, but it got to a point where I was like, this is not making me happy. Mm. And I actually remember being in a relationship with someone and he was like, are you happy with me? And being, you know, having the journalism background, being a writer and all that, I was like, I'm content. And he was like, what does that mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you know, our relationship is good on paper. It's fine. There's, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, and he was like, what kind of relationship is that? Um, and actually it was funny because years later that flipped on me and I ended up being on the other side of that conversation. Um, but, mm. <laughs> but that being the case, it was just like, I can't not be authentic. Right. Like it, it got to the point where that wasn't sustainable. Mm. What made you crack? Um, when I was on the other side of that conversation, Ooh. actually, <laughs> um, I was, I was dating someone we had been dating for like a pretty good period of time. And, you know, one day we were watching TV and I was just like, Hey, marriage, what do you think about it? You got thoughts. And he said, yeah, sure. Just let me know whenever you want to plan it and stuff. And I was like, okay. Um, I didn't think the, I didn't think that it was going to be like, like that. <laughs> and he was like, Keisha, look, you're good. I'm good. My family likes you. The way that you and I both work, it's not like we're going to see each other that much anyways. Like, just let me know when you want to have a wedding. And wow, I was just like, okay. And I went home and I, I thought about it and I was like, I, I can't. Like, that's not what I want. You know what I mean? Mm. I was like, okay, some, something has to change. What was that like saying that and admitting to yourself? Because, you know, I always talk about authenticity. That first part is getting honest. But what was that like for really saying to yourself, that's not what I want for the first time, really like saying that? Um, I think there were a lot of years in my life where I tried to be so, where I tried so hard to be just practical Mm -hmm. and go with the flow. Mm. And that was the day when, what the consequences of that will look like. Like I never actually dealt with the consequences of that. Hmm. And you didn't like the consequences? No. Mm. Because I I just started playing it forward in my mind about like getting married to someone that he was right. The way we both were, we weren't going to see each other anyways. Um, (laughs) The the thought of having kids and, you know, them getting to the age of being like, oh, we want to hear your love story. And Mm. I would have to be like, well, there really isn't one. 
Mm. Um, <laughs> and you didn't want that. That's not what you, you wanted. Right. Okay. Okay. It's interesting. I love that. Um, my, my friends um, are having a conversation and they're like, Bianca, you really think about the consequences. I said, I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> I could be eating a bag of chips and know the consequences and I don't care. But then there's other times when I'd be like, mm, no, I already, no, I'm not doing that. Where I've actually like kind of thought that through, but we tend to sometimes not think about the consequences, not just about what we're doing, it's what we're not doing. And um, if we're not asking the questions, if we're not making waves, because we don't want to make waves, but you know, we don't think about, well, what's, what happens if I don't make waves? Like we really don't always sit down and just sit with ourselves and ask those questions. We just, I, I feel like sometimes we just like, we just want to make sure it'll just all work out. Yeah. It's, well, it's just like dating. Mm. How many women will date a man who looks good on paper? Mm -hmm. The reality is different, mm -hmm. but they will try to hold on to him and fix him or mm -hmm. change him because he looks so good on paper. Yeah. It's that, um, holding on to that dream, right? Yeah. And not, and not, and not, um, and not wanting to let go or fear of what will happen if I let go of this. So that's a great way to segue because you know all this and you work with all these women about dating and helping them. And I was on your website and I was like, hmm, hmm. I mean, I know she does all this stuff, but uh, do I really need to talk to her some more? Because <laughs> you, you know, you said a lot of stuff that resonated with me. Um, but also, I know that when you're doing this work, you're not just doing the work. I feel like people I know who are really doing the work and really helping people is because they have been there themselves. And I feel like, you know, of course, this is your ministry. So all these women, high achievers, broken heart, all this other thing, want a day. I love your thing. Like you are a great catch. I love all of that. But what happened to you? What was your experience like in order to be like, well, I got to help these women too. What was that dating as a Christian woman? <laughs> um, like? Yeah, I'm a millennial. So I do, or I did what all good millennials do, which is have a quarter life crisis. Um, so mm. <laughs> my particular quarter life crisis was, I was at a, I was at a point where, you know, you have on Facebook every five seconds, someone is announcing their engagement or, mm. you know, their baby, or they just cured cancer or whatever it is. And, um, <laughs> one of my friends was getting married. She asked me to plan her bridal shower for her. Mm -hmm. And it was during the period where I was planning that bridal shower that just like things were not going well in my job. And I had people again on Facebook posting about job promotions. And, you know, I, I was dating someone, but it was kind of obvious that this was not going to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I'm dealing with planning a bridal shower for someone else. And even like I was going to church, the mm -hmm. church posted this picture during worship service of me and a friend of mine. She is all up in the spirit. She looks gorgeous. I am all up in the spirit. I look a hot mess. And I'm like, I can't even God right. Wow. Um, wow. So, 
I can't God write. Wow. Yes, that's the thought I had. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so like I like I can't do the whole like worship stuff right because mm. of, like one picture, you know? Um and I was planning this the showers, writing out invitations. I just broke down. Mm. I just started crying all over the invitations that that I filled out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I don't know what I want, but it's not this. Not this is what I want. Um, and I went on that whole journey of like, you know, the personal development hole. You start with the books, mm-hmm. you start the podcast. Then before mm-hmm. you know it, you're getting a coach and you're going to therapy and all mm-hmm. that. And, you know, after I straightened my life out and started, you know, like getting the job that I want and actually working on my spirituality and my faith with God and um, also meeting the man who became my husband and everything. I was like, you know, it, it doesn't have to be this way. Like other women don't have to go through moments like these. Hmm. How, what did that feel like though for you? Um, when you said, I can't do this, what was this? And what did that feel like? It, it was just like, I was just thinking about logistically, like I've always been a practical person. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in my late twenties mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm going to live like another 70 years or so. Like whatever this situation is, as, as far as not feeling like I'm, you know, like in the job, I wasn't getting the pay that I deserved. Um, not feeling like being in a relationship and feeling like I wasn't getting the consideration mm-hmm. I deserved. Um, you know, when it came to like, you know, my relationship with God, not feeling like I was starting to feel very much like a Sunday Christian. Like I was mm-hmm. feeling great on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday were not feeling very great. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I can't do that. I just need something that's better than that. And that's when I started exploring, like, what is better than that? Um, mm. Do I need to switch churches? Do do I need to meditate more? Do I need to journal more? Um, do I need to ask for a raise, which is what I did at that job and got denied. So I found a new job. Uh, you know mm-hmm. I mean? Do I need to get out of this sucky relationship? Which of course the answer was yes. Um, and I did, you know what I mean? It was just like, it was, that's really my journey. I kept asking myself in all these different areas of my life, health, wealth, um, relationships, what is something that's better okay. than this? So let me ask you this. Um, I can relate to this and I, cause I'm, cause of what I'm hearing you say, um, and I know this is not what you mean, but I just want to address something. Um, I, I have done this personally and I've been like, well, I have, you know, I have a great relationship with God. My business is doing well. Um, you know, I've done some healing work and got great yeah. friends and I'm a great catch. I'm still not with someone. What am I doing wrong? Because you sound like you did a lot of personal work and things like that. And sometimes it could be like, well, you have to do all of these things and then you'll meet someone or then this will happen. Um, That's what it sounds like. I know you don't mean that, but what do you say to someone who may also be hearing that and feel like that? Does that make sense? Of course. Yes and no. 
Okay. So, and, and the reason why I say yes and no is because people have a tendency to ask for abundance without being set up for abundance, without having the capacity for it. You know, you want these high value roles in your career, but you won't show yourself to be a good worker. Mm. <laughs> um, you want to have a great body, but you also want to eat that gallon of ice cream. So <laughs> in, in relationships, like, so with my clients, for example, the very first thing that I have them do is make a list of what they want in mm -hmm. a partner. And it's a very specific list. I don't believe in like 30 page list, anything mm -hmm. like that. But we talk about two things. One, why are these qualities so important to you? Like, are they even important to you? Are they important to other people? And two, are you the things that you're asking for? Mm -hmm. What if they are? If they are, then our next step is the fact that they're just not found. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's, it's the confidence, it's the getting out there, it's the learning how to approach men. Um, mm -hmm learning how to, how to network and have these conversations. Hmm. So th that's a completely different issue. But if a lot of times what women will realize is things like they want a man who is protective of them, which requires a type of caring energy, but they are the first ones to go out and act like the cast members of bad girls club like that. You know what I mean? Hmm. <laughs> like you so want someone vulnerable? who has that what was that? They're not vulnerable, you're saying? Right. They're not putting themselves out there. And they also, you know, we talk about masculine and feminine energy and how masculine energy is like a provider energy. Feminine energy. Yeah, tell like me a, about a, that. I'm hearing more and more. I'm not one for it. I'm not against it, but I'm yeah. for it. I'm just like, I'm hearing it more and more. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah. So when we talk about masculine and feminine energy, we're talking about balance. And, and I, I get why you're not for it because there, there's this idea of women as meek and mild. Mm. And then it's like the, 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 yeah. the big, strong, like mm -hmm. I'm going to come up in here and like bust up everything and you know, all that. Uh, <laughs> the fact is, is that we have both mm. inside of us. Um, even biologically, you know, women have higher levels of estrogen and progesterone. Men have higher levels of androgen and testosterone is, is how we were biologically created. So when you look at these energies, masculine energy is the energy of drive and push, a little bit of aggression, setting goals, ambition. So obviously women have those tendencies as well. Mm. Um, feminine energy is the energy of nurture flow creativity you can't tell me that there aren't men out here who aren't creative yeah right yeah. <laughs> right so so we have those it is a matter of certain things will cause us to push ourselves further in one direction and become off balance mm -hmm. so things like if you grew up as a woman in an environment where your parents weren't around a lot either because, you know, it could be that they were abusive. It could be that they didn't care. Um, it could be just that they worked a lot of hours, what, whatever the scenario may be. 
you might have gotten yourself in a position where you're always taking care of yourself from a young child. Mm -hmm. So feminine energy is a receiving energy Mm. and allows you to receive love. So if you have set yourself up from childhood, you know, through no fault of your own to constantly handle everything yourself, then you have a hard time receiving love from others. And that takes you out of your feminine. Got it. That's really good. I love that description. Can you, did you relate to any of that when you were dating? Did you find that perhaps you had to be able to receive love more um, or you found like you was a bit more balanced in that area? Yeah, definitely. So in, in my case, you know, both my parents have always worked very long hours mm. and I always joke that technically I have a brother and sister but um, they are 10 years older than me and 12 years older than me. So I have four parents, um, really. Mm. (laughs) So I grew up a very independent child. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. I grew up in some ways, almost like an only child Mm -hmm. to a certain extent. And I learned how to take care of myself. I was a latchkey kid. And you get used to that also, you know, my mom is always my mom is very much a hard worker Mm. she has always been the type to work overtime um she does not turn down shifts yeah all that good stuff so growing up in that environment I became the you know I became Olivia Pope um I I became is handled I always take care of it Mm. um and that was seeping over you know, it started out that that was like my school persona, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I helped people with like their homework and stuff like that. And people were even in high school coming to me for advice. Um, and then it became my work persona. I was the workaholic. I was always staying extra hours and it became my relationship persona too. I was dating men who needed to be mothered. Hmm. Interesting. And so when you started dating your husband, what was the difference? I had done that work on myself so that Mm. by the time he came along, I was not pushing men away because Ah. I was receiving. And, you know, it's, it's little things like I remember on our first date, my husband brought me flowers Mm -hmm. and I took the flowers. I said, thank you. I went and got a vase, put the flowers up and then we left for our date. That doesn't sound remarkable to you, but there's a time when I would have been like, well, you know, that's kind of, that's like so much money. And like, you really didn't have to do that. Ah, Ah. I like that. So (laughs) I think, so my um, business partner, um, Justin, um, so we're sweet mates in, in our office. So sometimes we leave at the same time and um, Justin will take my bag. <laughs> sometimes I know he does this on purpose and he plays around. And so there'll be times where I'm getting ready and he didn't take a bag. So I just take the bag. Like I'm just going downstairs and he's like, are you not going to let me take the bag? I said, listen. The bag is there. I'm not going to ask you to take this bag. If you want to take it, take it. But if you don't, I'm not waiting around, right? Yeah. 
And um, he said, okay. I said, listen, I'm all for asking for help, but, or, or receiving the help, but I'm not going to sit around and be like waiting around for you. So, but sometimes I just wait now a bit extra and I'll be like, he's going to take this bag and you just sit here and <laughs> take up no, the, you. And it's because I have a heavy bag. It's not like my regular, it's like for my laptop and all that when I'm leaving the office. So he like simmers me. <laughs> no, you have to normalize that. Mm-hmm. You really do. Because a lot of women have a hard time receiving. Mm-hmm. They, they have a hard time letting others do for them because mm-hmm. they're used to always taking care of stuff. I remember in my journalism career, I worked in um, Asheville, North Carolina, which, mm-hmm. you know, gets snow sometimes. And I had a male coworker who during the winter for the you know few years that I worked there, um, he would always before or like right when my shift ended, he would take my keys. He would go out and he would defrost the windows and make sure the car was heated up. Mm. And. I remember other women at the, at my job being like, um, like, how is that happening? Like, are you dating? It's like, no, we're not dating. He just wants to be nice. And then, <laughs> you know, just be like, you're, you're not going to like tell him that you got that. And I'm like, no, he, he wants to be, you know, he wants to make sure that the car is warm. Cool. I'm going to mm. accept that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So it's a breath. It's, it's a work in progress. And I guess, cause I'm so like, come on, <laughs> I'm like 10 steps ahead of you. So I feel like you need to be like 20 steps ahead of me, <laughs> but also I can slow down. I can slow down. So, um, did you kind of like realize any other, like you talked about the slut, the small things and I, and I appreciate you talking about the small things because I feel like sometimes it's the small things that matter but did you find did you recognize there are any other patterns you needed to break or things you needed to do in that process leading up to um well shall I say when you were dating your husband um yeah I I thought actually Mm-hmm. before he and I got together, I thought I was good at setting boundaries. Mm. <laughs> okay. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah. So what I, what I mean by that is, um, especially I guess in a corporate setting, um, there's this tendency of mine, like in brain out mouth, I just kind of say whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I thought that that meant that, like, you know, I'm powerful, I'm intimidating, like, mm. you know, people listen to me and, and, and all this stuff because I have no problem speaking my mind. Mm-hmm. And what was really happening was I was putting on a front to make people think that I was tougher than I was. Mm. And, you know, back to, back to the beginning of this episode, when we were talking about me being a preacher's kid. And trying to constantly convey images, Mm -hmm. you know, I spent so much of my life trying to convey whatever image I thought was going to get me the the furthest ahead, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when my husband and I, when our relationship started to get more serious, and that was like another aspect of it, because I was always the type to kind of hold men at a distance. It's not that great, that vulnerability. So it's not easy. <laughs> no. 
So when we were at a point where I was actually finding myself getting vulnerable with him, things would come up and I would find myself being in a position of like, this bothers me, but like, how much does it bother me? I really want to bring this up. Do I really want to rock the wave and all that? And for me, it was like, there were certain things that we could kind of get away with when we were dating because mm-hmm. we didn't live together until we got married. Mm-hmm. And when we got married and we were in the same house, it was like, oh, I cannot do this. <laughs> oh, I have a question about that. What was yeah. your, because I know, well, about something you said, and you've said this a few times and just so other people can kind of hear that. What was your fear? Or I don't know if you still have this fear about rocking the boat or walking the rave or making waves what was your fear if I if I make waves if I rock the boat what was your fear what would happen yeah um growing up in a church family and when I say a church family um my dad is a minister Mm -hmm. uh my brother is a youth pastor he's the one who married my husband and I Mm -hmm. um I have uncles aunts Mm -hmm. cousins Mm -hmm. who are pastors and and, Mm -hmm. and bishops and all that good stuff And this is not to slam the Christian church. I am very much a Christian. Um, At the same time, you grow up in an environment that is full of secrets and full of people not talking about things. You know, my parents counseled other people and I've always been fairly quiet. I I can be in a room and people don't notice that I'm there. So you know, from a very young age, I heard things about like preachers embezzling money and running out of town or, you know, pastors or pastor's wives having affairs. And, and it was always like the things come up and it's what is the quietest way possible we can deal with this and like, you know, push it to the side and get it out the way. And that was in an, when you grow up in that environment, it's hard to get out of the, you know, we were talking about facing consequences earlier. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get out of that idea. You know, Mm -hmm. it is, it is really hard to find yourself in a place of you've seen people handle things quietly your entire life. And you're like, am I supposed to speak up on issues or Mm -hmm. we like, I, I thought okay. we bury everything. Ah, <laughs> uh, so it's a learned behavior. It was a learned behavior. I yeah. thought we buried everything. Bury everything. Okay. So some of the stuff you said about day in and um, which is not uncommon for day in in general. Um, and you're, you're a Christian and you particularly focus on Christian women. What is the reason for that? And kind of like, how do you find that that, can be different um day in as a christian yeah so in some ways it's absolutely no different Mm. (laughs) you know a a lot a lot of the same common issues come up but what i find is because of things like purity culture Mm -hmm. because of all this talk about submission in a way that is usually totally misconstrued Mm -hmm. um (laughs) And because of the way a lot of church systems are still set up, 
where, you know, there's still churches nowadays that don't allow women preachers, that don't allow women to have any type of leadership role or leadership is capped at a certain level, that there is a lot of people pleasing. There is a lot of um, talking about like rocking the boat, not doing that. <laughs> um, there's a lot of selective, uh, being very selective about versus. So whenever we talk about the Proverbs 31 woman, for example, we talk about how much her husband and her children love her. Go read that chapter. She was She's an entrepreneur. a boss. Yes. <laughs> with, with multiple streams of income. Like, <laughs> she is a boss. <laughs> but we don't really read those verses that often. Hmm. Um, so there are all these ideas about, I work with women who are both, you know, they're Christian and they're also, they're also ambitious and they feel like those two things don't go together. So one, they're thinking that men aren't going to talk to them. They're thinking that, you know, men aren't going to be interested. So then that hampers the whole confidence thing. And two, because they're taught like, this is the way things are, and this is the way that they're supposed to behave they often end up in relationships that are codependent. Um, they end up in relationships with men who are narcissistic, who control them. And oftentimes they get told that that's completely normal. Mm. So teaching them that one, you're worthy. Teaching them that two, there are men out here who appreciate your brain and not just your body. And three, teaching them that what those warning signs look like of a controlling relationship of a toxic relationship, that point kind of has to be hammered home a little bit more. Mm, with Christians? Yeah. Uh, because of the, the um, ch church culture and things like that and how the Bible and scripture shoots. So I can relate to that. Um. I can relate to, let me be specific. I can relate to um, being ambitious and one, and um, um, is this going to be okay? Blah, 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 blah. Um, and I really had to work through and just remind myself, like, I'm cool to do this. And I never woke up and said, I'm going to own my own business. All I know is I wanted to be a counselor. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then all these things and, 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 and the doors that are open and, and I think you really do have to get secure. And I think that kind of helps with that when you're loving. And even if you don't know your purpose, which is okay, if you're a Christian, you're called to love and that's enough. And if you figure everything out, that's okay. But it's the impact, right? And so I think I can be so secure now and confident in that impact that if, if, you know, I meet someone and they're like, well, you're not meant to be doing this and you're not a Christian. And then also in my relationship with God and knowing his love and um, having that relationship helps me feel a lot more um, secure. Like, um, and I think I was having a conversation with my therapist and it's like, you know, I don't just want a husband, like I want a partner. Exactly. And I think, I think that's, that's, it, it makes it different when you say I want a partner because ultimately that's what it is right the representation of Jesus and the church like that's a partnership it's not you know it's so much so um 
that's why I just wanted to say I can I can definitely relate to that yeah yeah and and another thing for me is allowing the women that I work with to see that they have choices because they get indoctrinated either way Mm. it's either your Susie housewife or you're like one of the members of the cast of sex in the city or the devil was Prada and you know I don't need no man but you know of course a good one's going to come along and all this good stuff and you know you don't have to be either honestly like I there were women I went to college with who went to college specifically to get their MRS their missus their what their missus <laughs> their purpose for going to college was like while we were on campus they hung out at the law school library all day or they hung out you know near the engineering school their purpose was to go to college to find a husband and a lot of them succeeded in that still married to their husbands i don't knock that if that's if you really believe that that is your greatest purpose is to be like housewife and mother yeah i think that's noble yeah i i, I think that's that's fine mm-hmm. um there are women out here who never ever will get married will never have kids they don't want that that's fine there are there are women out here who want that true partnership that's you know the class I typically work with and you know that's that's great too but a lot of women are following what their mothers did or they're following what the church says they need to do or they're following a lifestyle that looks good on tv Mm -hmm. and that is one of my jobs is to help them is to help guide them Mm -hmm. through what it is that they're really searching for and how that type of relationship fulfills their purpose. I always tell the women that I work with that all relationships are related. You show me a woman who has issues with dating, there is some issue with her family or her coworkers or her business or her relationship with God because they're normally the same issue, communication problems, lack of boundaries, lack of self-esteem or whatever just manifesting itself in different ways Hmm. so it's important that you understand why it is that you want to be in relationship with someone and also how you think that relationship benefits you you know my very first client she and I worked together at the end of our time together she was like thank you so much you helped me see that I want to be single I don't want to be in a relationship I consider that to be a victory Wow. Because she was so happy. Wow. Wow. That's yeah, powerful. Is, yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. Gosh, I can talk about this forever and not have time because I can relate in so many ways. Um and and I'm thinking this is why you did it, but you can tell me what made you decide, okay, I want to help these women. But something I'd noticed on your website, and I don't know if this is intertwined, is that there are no steps um, or roadmap for love. Um, You know, we have some guidance, but, you know, we get a lot more of the don'ts than the do's. Um, Is that what kind of propelled you to help these women? Um, or was it something else? Yeah. So when I think about 
what my job is to be. Um, I go back in time and I go back to when I was crying over a box of wedding invitations or bridal shower invitations. And I always think, what would I have wanted someone to tell me back then? And what what would you have wanted someone to tell you? Um, One, that I didn't need to know all the answers right away. (laughs) That those were going to come. As a very type A person who likes to know everything in advance, Mm -hmm. that would have been very helpful to hear from somebody else. (laughs) But also that a lot of what I was looking for in a partner were things that I did not have in myself. Mm. Um, and it was a matter of not just being better for someone else I mean that is I think you should be I think part of your responsibility in a marriage is is to be great for the other person so that you can help motivate them and, and uplift them and all that but also no one was ever going to make me happy because I couldn't make myself happy. Um, I wasn't satisfied with myself. So until I became that person, it wasn't just that I wasn't going to attract a better relationship. I also wasn't going to enjoy a better relationship. Mm. Yeah. Wow. That's good. Thank you. So, is there anything else? I mean, you kind of said it all, but is there anything else you want to leave with the audience or want them to know? Breathe. Breathe? Yeah. Learn to spend some time with yourself in silence. This this is the this is the biggest thing that I have with women who are constantly and not just women but you know I work with women um but women who are constantly trying to find their next relationship is that it's often a matter of they are scared to face what happens if they have to spend too much time with themselves Mm. learn to sit in where you are the season that you're in Learn to handle that. Hmm. And then bring your awesome, amazing, beautiful self to a relationship. But spend some time by yourself before you do that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So tell us, how can we shower you with love? Where can can we connect with you? And if there's anyone who wants some more of your stuff, how can they get in contact? Uh, yeah, sure. So my website is KeishaRice.com. And just pointing out again that Keisha is spelled K-E-S-H-I-A. Um, you can also find me. The quickest way to find me is on Instagram. Mm. I'm at Keisha Rice. And you can attest to the fact that I spend a fair amount of time there. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's dropping gems. So if you would like to work with me, Um, I do one-on-one coaching. I also have uh, both group coaching and a couple of courses. So right now my latest group is on soul ties and trauma bonds. 
Um, so the link to that program and also to schedule a call with me if you think you'd rather do one-on-one because I, I get it, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. women would rather, you know, have that more one-on-one time. Then both of those are in my Instagram bio. Cool. And we'll put those in the show notes too, to make it easy. <laughs> if you can't find you on Instagram. Well, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, and just remember to go um, follow her and just email her or text her or DM, DM her, shall I say, and just let her know how great this has been and how helpful it's been. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. If you connected with what you just heard, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can stay connected by following the Instagram, Bianca Keisha, spelled Keisha, K-E-S-H-A, or visiting the website, AuthenticWednesday.com. Remember, authenticity is a journey, not a destination. Thank you.